The well-attended annual general meeting of the Portobello Heritage Trust took place this week. The Trust was set up seven years ago to make sure that the collapsed kilns in Bridge Street were rebuilt. It was a process that took longer than anyone originally envisaged, but ended in success. Today it's moved on to other heritage projects, though problems with one of the rebuilt kilns continue to exercise members' minds. There's always a talk delivered at the AGM, and this week's was about Portobello's forgotten pottery. More about that in a moment, but first here's Margaret Munro, one of the Trust's directors. The Trust was originally set up to make sure that the collapsed kiln in Bridge Street was rebuilt, and then when the kiln was completed, they used the original bricks to do it. It's a double-skinned kiln, so there was new bricks commissioned for the inside, but they used the original bricks on the outside, whereas the 1906 kiln was rebuilt in the 70s using ordinary engineered bricks, and it doesn't look particularly good. But on the other hand, there is so much more heritage within Portobello. Absolutely. We did get heritage lottery funding to organise Dig Portobello three years ago now, there was a big pottery dump found on the prom. It was over a weekend in August. The weather was fabulous. It was really successful. Some of the earliest pottery from Portobello was found then. We're also pursuing, between the council and the Baptist church, to have the clock put back onto the building, which was taken down 13 years ago. Another long and arduous journey, however, the council know that we are pretty determined people by now and they have finally admitted ownership of the clock because it was gifted to the people of Portobello. So the council have now admitted that it's part of the common good account. Negotiations are underway with the church to make an agreement about who's responsible for the future maintenance and insurance of the clock. So we are hopeful that we'll see the clock back up on the church within the next few years. Hopefully... <laughs> Just thinking about your activities, there's, there's a talk tonight. Is that mm-hmm. something that you do fairly regularly? We have always have a talk with our AGM and we have an annual talk in November. I've done talks on, you know, Portobello Gala Days and different things like that. I think I've got about four slideshows now. The other problem is, of course, it gets, it's becoming increasingly difficult to find a hall now. We've been in discussions with um, the Save Belfield group and we're hoping to put our archive into the building when, you know, it's ready, which will make that more accessible and we'll be able to sell our postcards and have exhibitions and things. Certainly when I spoke to uh, Moreg Donaldson from Action Porty, yeah. she actually was really very keen on yes. getting that archive yeah. into Belfield. So yeah. Clearly things are happening. And, and we are keen to get it out there. I mean, interestingly enough, we have about, you know, we have maybe 30, 40 inquiries a year from all around the world through our website, most often about Buckingham Pottery, and Mike Brown, our treasurer, who's a very specialised knowledge in that, always answers them. So people do know the website's out there. You know, so it draws people in that way. So we do our best, but there are only four directors, and it's quite difficult to do anything major you know, it was such a few small group. Well, the talk given at the AGM was delivered by Robin Jones, who is an avid pottery collector. Would you describe yourself mm-hmm. as that? Yes. Scottish pottery collector. Scottish pottery collector, but who has also devoted a lot of research to Portobello's forgotten pottery. Mm-hmm. Forgotten? Which one? The Rosebank pottery. There's never an article been written about it in oh, donkey's years. The reason being that we don't have any pots, we have nothing that was produced at the pottery that we're aware of. This is why it tends to be forgotten, although the names are known in Portobello. The rest of Scotland never heard of it. 
and yet, yet ex- ex- existed for 90 years, run by the same family, which is longer than most of the potteries existed in Scotland. So what kind of produce were they actually making? In pottery terms, they largely made day-to-day domestic wares. Breadcocks, dew pans, pots that were used at table and things like this. They weren't expensive pots, they were the day-to-day wares, and I think this is why there aren't any of them left. They were used, abused, broken, and it's the finer pieces of pottery that people collect and still exist today. That's why they're not there. But they also made chimney cans and things of this nature, and they sold goods in Edinburgh, Dundee and Glasgow. This is their home market that they exported to apart from Portobello. So they were actually quite well known in their day? They must have been to existed and for 90 years and there must have been a lot of repeat business that they would have got from, from people over the years. And uh, yet they list left such little evidence behind them? No evidence at all. So and, what yet, did, and yet, they, the, so I mean, they must have been good business people to have run a business for that length of time. There was quite a large family of them that all worked there. Obviously, they all had to be fed and clothed and housed and the pottery provided for them. So they must have been uh, relatively successful, yes. So how detailed research have you had to do in order to find out even to give us a glimpse of this disappeared place? As I said in the presentation, I always like to try and start my research by looking into old maps. Maps tell you a lot of information, and um, I start with them and then start looking at old photographs and then move on to the nitty-gritty of trying to find paperwork. It's a lot easier these days now that we have computers to try and get leads into things to try and do research but a lot of the research for the Rosebank has been done in register house records to look at land records, land ownerships, old post office records and things of this nature to try and prove the history of the pottery. So where was it? Just on the west bank of the Figgitburn. So basically it's underneath what is now the five-a-side football pitches? Yes, that's correct. Where the AstroTurf pitches are, the eight of them, it was there. So people are playing there and they don't know they're actually playing on a piece of Portobello history? That's correct. Not any of them will be aware of it at all. But this happens with the land around cities. I mean, it's reused many, many times. I ran through the history of the site from the time when there wasn't anything built on it at all until uh, we, we got to the land use of the, of the football pitches on it now and you just wonder what's going to be there in the future when the football pitches have gone and the beauty comes about that when something's redeveloped you get a chance to do a bit of digging on the site and you can dig up the past and uh, find out what was there before and maybe the species of pottery buried in the ground there. <laughs> Coming back to Margaret Monroe from the Portobello Heritage Trust, can you just tell me if anyone's interested, how they actually get involved? They can contact me. They can do that through the info box at um, on our website or the library, Portobello Library, are always, they have my phone number and they know that they can contact me. And sometimes they do if somebody's been in making inquiries I'm also involved with the Portobello Reporter, so there's various ways they can contact me. And I'm always delighted to hear from anybody that either wants to know anything or wants to become more involved in Portobello and would be really keen to have more people involved. So how much does it cost to, to, to join? It's £10 a year. Um, so it's not going to break anyone's it's bank? It's not going to break anyone's bank, but it just helps us to keep going. And do things like this, because you have to pay for the hire of the hall and 
you know, you like to give the speaker something. Our postcards and our DVD did generate quite a lot of sales, but they've kind of fallen away because some of the shops that sold them for us have closed, so we've got to try and find somewhere else. But again, if we get into Belfield Church, you know, and there's a cafe and they'll be available there and hopefully that'll help the sales. Margaret, thank you very much for that. Thank you.